Loading with Enough Podcast, episode 19. Hi, this is Tamara. And this is Rebecca. And welcome to What the F Podcast. This is the podcast that asks the most important question in the world, which is... What the F? Uh-huh. And we're a true crime podcast, sprinkled in with a little bit of pop culture, some viral stories, and um, just welcome to our fucked up world. And, and yours. It can be your <laughs> fucked up world, too. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and just remember uh, to rate us. And subscribe to the show. Yeah. Tell your, tell your mates about us. And yeah, rate us five star on iTunes mm-hmm. because then that lets other people know that we're pretty cool and that we made you laugh yeah. or whatever. Yes. Maybe we made you say what the F. Right. And thank you guys for listening as always. As always. As always. And so now uh, we have our what the F of the week, yep, which is something that happened today. Yeah. And we've actually talked about this mm-hmm. before um, in the beginning, I guess, well, in the beginning of our show. Um, so Bill Cosby... Um, Bill Cosby and, you know, all the sexual uh, assault claims. And yeah. it, was, it was only one, one lady who was able to get him convicted because of um, statute of limitations. For the rape of Andrea Constand? Yes. Um, yeah. 2004 is when that happened. So, yeah, he gets three to ten years. Is that right? Yeah, so he, that's what the judge gave him today. And he could have got 30 years, I believe. And for some reason, this judge has been super, super lenient. Because, why? I mean, why do you think that? I think it's because uh, I think it probably has to do with his age. I think it probably has to do with that he's Bill Cosby. I think the majority of it has to do with that he's <laughs> Bill Cosby. Um, and I mean, you shouldn't get, I agree. you shouldn't get like let off just because you're old. So, right. So you still did the crime, you know, you still need to right. it do doesn't, the time. Just because you're Bill Cosby doesn't mean it didn't hurt her any less. No. I mean, maybe that was even more of a trauma. It's like Bill Cosby's doing what to me? Yeah. She had made some Good statement. God. Yeah. You she didn't expect that. Right. She had made some statement like that you'd stole away like um, my soul, my youth, Ugh. all my happiness. It was something. It was very, it's a good statement that she wrote. And just, you know, like he took all that away from her when that happened. And it does. Like when you've been raped, it does take away all of that. It does take away your soul and you have to find mm-hmm. a different I mean, you have, you have to, to wait to cope with that. You have find to find a way to cope. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And hopefully you get good therapy and everything mm-hmm. like that. And, you know, and it's, you know, it's awful. And I can't imagine how she feels about this verdict. And I don't think he thought much of it. He had said something like where um, it sounded like where he was feeling like he was just going to get parole or something like that for it. Because <sighs> he asked, like, so if I go to another city, do I have to report that I'm going to another city even if I'm just going to another city and staying there overnight? And so then I'm like, does he think he's just getting parole for this? And is he just getting parole for this, you know? So he's actually going to jail. I don't know. He better. It's that three. Three to ten years. Right. But I don't know. Yeah. Like when does this even start? Doesn't it normally start immediately? You and, would have thought he would, got, he would have gotten taken right in. Right. It doesn't seem like that, right? He gets to go and like brush his teeth again, and he's like taking it. He's like, I just need it. he's like, please, can I just? I didn't get my last bubble bath. Right. I need, I need some wine. I need this shit in privacy. <laughs> one more, one last time, please. God, I mean, I don't know what the fuck. Really, it's just like not right. Again, it's just um, how women are valued in the society, not much, and how sex crimes are just like not at all like it's so taboo because of the idea or the concept of a false reporting that everyone is like i'm you know false reporting happens so the little in comparison like who wants to go through all this but who wants to go through all this 
I can't, I can't imagine, I can't imagine anyone would choose to do this as a false report, but unfortunately it it does happen. It has happened. And so people are so scared of that. And it gives it a bad name. And it's like, well, you know, what if she's false report? And then you're like, don't, don't. But that doesn't happen. But believe, you should believe at first. False reporting is not the same kind of trauma as an actual rape or drugging and rape. I'm sorry. False reporting is not the same kind of trauma. It's, you know, like it's not good. But unfortunately, it exists and it's caused an issue. It's so, but the, it's so little, the percentage of that. So right. it's just like, it's Not, so little in comparison to the actual real ones. Right. I believe people when they say it. I agree. You know? I agree. I believe it's underreported actually. Totally. Because who wants to go through that? Right. Who wants somebody saying that you're she lying? She has to relive that. Her, yeah, she has to keep but, reliving it. It's just Well, you have to prove that it happened, which is not normal in, in crimes. Right. You don't have to. And so you have to actually, you're the one who's mm-hmm. on trial. Having to prove it. Yeah, you're the one who has proof. And then also sometimes your lifestyle then is Everything's put into question. Yeah. And so I can see why people don't report it. So you know? the fact that she did is incredibly brave. It and, is. And I mean, um, at least he was convicted and at least he's supposedly, hopefully, he's going to serve some crime. Right. I mean, crime time for the crime. Right. You know, so... We'll see how it goes. And we'll keep you guys updated on it. I mean. Bill Cosby. I know Bill Cosby. He used to put in pops and all that. I thought he was the greatest thing on earth. (laughs) Well, of course, we think like he was America's dad. And then that just shows like how you never know people. Never know people. And then I think this is like what this, our podcast, you know, how. Yeah, that's true. Never, ever know people. My story goes along with that. And it's just like we're. Um, you can look at somebody and you think there's there's some way and they're totally not, you know? Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's just how it is. So I have another what the F for you. And it's um we spoke a couple of podcasts ago about like a bride. Right. You know, and she was like a stuck up bride. <laughs> and this one, I guess. Uh, maybe because it's sort of like it's sort of bride season and you know it's definitely wedding season yes definitely (laughs) wedding season September is a big month for October coming up too it's a big month the weather is better to photograph in so I can get it but it's It's nice it's nice to have a fall wedding pretty outside but it's it's a lot of work it it is and so this is another um bride so she is um she's a 26 year old um and she had a 25-year-old friend who dropped out of being uh, a bridesmaid. So this is what... She dropped out of being a bridesmaid. Okay. That- she was a bridesmaid in her friend's wedding. Okay. So um, this is what... Okay. So this is what the bride wrote. So my fiancé and I are getting married in February of next year. I asked my best friend to be my maid of honor and three of my closest girlfriends to be my bridesmaids. All was well until the last week of August when my fiance and I booked our wedding venue. The venue is an incredibly beautiful plantation. It's one that I've admired since I was a little girl. When I announced the venue location to my bridal party, everyone seemed excited for me except for J, she's using initial J and T who is best friends with Jay. (laughs) I thought nothing of it, but awoke to this message this morning from Jay that read, Hey, I'm writing this instead of doing it in person because I know that both of us struggle with confrontation. (laughs) If you'd prefer to talk face to face, I'm okay with that. But I know you always prefer written communication because it gives you time to process the message and time to think of your response. This is well written. Yeah, it is. And I love you a lot, but I have to bow out of being a bridesmaid. When you and your fiance started dating two years ago and you started thinking about what a wedding would look like, you mentioned wanting to get married at a plantation. I told you then that I could not be part of a wedding that happened at a plantation. I firmly believe all plantations should be museums that highlight the atrocious injustices towards my community. 
we talked in great detail about exactly why I felt that way. Mm. And you told me that your love for me outweighed your desire to have a wedding at a plantation. And I wouldn't have to worry about it. Even if I could put my own personal convictions aside for your day and that and there's a part of me that has been considering it because I love you dearly. I also cannot risk damaging my career. To be pictured and seen at a plantation wedding could cause harm to my profession, uh, my professional reputation. And much as I love you, I cannot make that sacrifice. I know you guys already put your. She shared this on Facebook. I'm sorry, I no, this you on off. Twitter. Oh, okay, but she, but it's okay. still the same. She shared so, it. She shared her personal email. Yeah, she though. Sa- she shared this. I'm yes. sorry, I, I interrupted. She shared it to like a wedding group that she's a part of. Good God! I know. So then her friend goes on. I know you guys already put your half towards our dresses, so I will still pay my half if you're able to find someone you would like to take my place. I can fit into my dress. I have no problem giving it to them for free. I also would love to still be involved in your brighter shower and bachelorette festivities, but I also understand if you're too upset with me to have me there. Please know that my issues with the chosen venue do not translate to issues with you and your fiance. I love you both, and I am so happy for you too. He is the answer to so many prayers, and I prayed over you when it comes to who you'll spend the rest of your life with. So this is that. So this is the bride. How she dare goes, she post So personal- she put this on Reddit. So she put this on Reddit. Motherfuck. <laughs> so she goes, uh, so this is the bride now. I remember us having that conversation, but I thought she was being overly sensitive and would change her mind when my actual wedding came around. And while I know her degrees are in African-American studies, I find it ridiculous <sighs> that her colleagues would judge her for being in my wedding. I haven't responded to her yet, but I'm not sure how to do so. How do I convince her that she's being ridiculous and that what happened there was a long time ago and has no bearing on my wedding and that any colleague who would judge her is incredibly narrow-minded and shouldn't pay be paid attention to? Oh. Um, my bridesmaid dropped out of the wedding because it's on a plantation and goes against her personal beliefs as well as what she thinks will damage her career. So. I'm speechless. Yeah. What did Reddit say? Uh, everybody was telling her that she's uh, she's the one who's being really insensitive okay. and that she doesn't understand uh, her friend. Everybody was like, you're being ridiculous. Like, a lot of people were like, I can't even believe, like, this is a question. Right. That's what most people were like. They're like, I can't believe that you are even asking this right now because, mm-hmm. hello, it's so obvious. It's so obvious. Your friend tells you she feels uncomfortable. And she already told you before. And you told her you weren't going to do that. And then you just go ahead and do it. So it shouldn't be a surprise to you that she doesn't want to be part of the wedding. I almost wonder how much they even knew each other. I, it sounds I don't know. like one connection, well, like one girl was really connected and invested in her sounds, friendship. Yeah, it sounds like because she's like, I love you. She keeps yeah. saying that so much. Like, I, I love you. I'm so you. happy it's for the you. the greatest thing ever. Yeah, she sounds like she really does care for her as a friend. But obviously this girl, see, I don't know if she's like in total like just bridesmaid, I mean bride, you know, bridezilla, where she's just like, it's my wedding. You do whatever I want. You know, some brides get like that. Just whatever I want, do it. Just put up with it. Right. You know, she's because obviously she's like, this is ridiculous. (laughs) You know, I just find it just uh, crazy. You know, how could she not support? Like, I, I understand if she had a vision of a, you know, of the... I can't imagine going, <laughs> oh, a plantation, let me have a wedding there. I know. I but maybe it's like a southern thing too or something. Maybe I the land is gorgeous. Know. I'm sure it I'm is. I'm sure it is. It probably is a, a awesome looking venue. But right. it still has history. It does. And I like mm-hmm. her idea to uh, make it a museum. Yeah. Or like, I thought so too. It reminded me of uh, when I went to um, the concentration camp and you walk through and you see like artifacts mm-hmm. and you actually get mm-hmm. to put yourself in that moment for like, Well, yeah. And nobody's going to have a wedding then at a concentration, uh, you know, that's former a, that's concentration what, camp. Well. I mean, it's just like no one's going to do that because right? it's so gorgeous. Like, oh my God, it's so gorgeous. Let me just do that. Can like, you what the fuck is like just. You know, no. Right. I can't imagine that. Like, if you were having a wedding and you're like, I'm going to have a plantation. And then I'm like, no, 
I'm black. I don't I don't want to, you know. I I don't feel comfortable. I would be a horrible friend. You and would she's be awful. a horrible and she's a horrible person for putting that on Reddit and not <laughs> if that is something that is so dear to your heart, then can't you come up with an argument that's I mean that other the other girl was very eloquent in mm-hmm. what she wrote yeah. and very exact. Yeah. And um yeah. Put a if you are that dead set on having that wedding and you think you can argue that, then do it. And then it stop. sounds like well, she's going to go ahead. I think she's just going to be like, "Well, fuck you. You're just no, not yeah, be she's not going to argue it. She's not going to no. because she can't come up but with this, an excuse. To me, this is like almost friendship ending. It is. Does it to me? But oh, this go- other girl, other girl doesn't sound like she's wants to end the friendship. To me, I would totally because especially because she already talked to the friend about it, and the friend was like, "No, I love you so much. I'm not going to do that." And then she just goes ahead and does that. That's like a slap in the face. Um, it's also a slap in the face that she put her letter. On Reddit. I know, right? So, so I really wonder what happened with it's this It's going to be friendship ending. If it's not friendship ending, I would be very surprised. Somebody's very, uh, uh, I don't know, forgiving, I guess, if that, you know. <laughs> oh, man. That stresses me out. <laughs> <laughs> Weddings are very stressful. And that, you don't ruin friends like friendships like that. I'm sorry. I mean, weddings are awful. And I think like some There's- friendships do end <laughs> with weddings it's just it's awful like I mean there's other I deal with brides you know and stuff and it's just like not it is not pretty (laughs) I've had well we do very different two very different things Uh in the industry I've had I I love I love my brides I love brides and I love weddings I love love I love all I mean I love it but it's stressful there are some that take it to the extreme and they do think it's my day and everybody needs to do whatever I say, and that's it. Right. And it, that is, like, not the attitude you should have at all. <laughs> I haven't been married. <laughs> I have, and I was really nice to my bridesmaids. They got to pick out their own dresses and stuff. Yeah, like any color. I was just – well, I did. I told them one color, but they could pick out whatever dress, like whatever dress style that they wanted. They actually both ended up – I only had two. They both ended up picking up the same – picking out the same dress, though. But I was very, very kind, and I made sure, like, even the dress was something that they could wear later. I mean, I bought one of the dresses and stuff, and it was, like, $400 and stuff. It was just, like, crazy. So I was just very, very kind. I don't want to be in in anybody's wedding, by the way, at $400 a dress. Oh, you're just saying that now. So you don't want to be like, so when me and Rex get married, you don't want to be in my wedding. Only if it's a destination wedding. (laughs) (laughs) Then I'll pay. Got it. Got it. So now I I got it now. (laughs) Now you got to find another new maid of honor. I don't know. I don't know the titles. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) You really... (laughs) <laughs> you gotta do some research into that girl <laughs> i know okay you have a story to date your story is- i do i have a i have a story uh rex is in here oh, yes. to do his little segment <laughs> his little segment um he's not here today he's you know busy with his rock star wife and um hopefully he will be here next week yes yes and you know we miss him and all that he's the highlight of my week He's the highlight of my day and every hour and all that. I have to say all that. (laughs) Since I said you're the highlight of my week and then he was like, oh, my God. But But you are the highlight of my week. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. So my story um, is it is uh, it's a missing child. And this happened. uh, She went missing February 1st, 2002. Okay. Her name is Danielle Van Dam. And how I got interested in this story was um, so long ago. And I had this, I believe this was like the first trial I ever like really kind of like watched. I didn't get to see all of it, but I saw a lot of it. And it's the first one that I followed, you know, start to finish or whatever. And I got so invested in this case, you know. And this is when they still had court TV. And so I was like watching the trial and stuff on there and everything. So um, that's how I um, became familiar with it. And so Danielle Van Damme, she was a seven-year-old who went missing. I don't know this one. Yeah. And so um, the morning of February 2nd, 2002, which was a Saturday, 
Brenda Van Dam, which is Danielle's mom, she was preparing breakfast for her family. And so the family is her husband, Damon, and they have three kids. So Derek, who's 10, Danielle, who's 7, and Dylan, who's 5. So Brenda went upstairs to wake up Danielle because all the other kids were already awake and they were downstairs. And Danielle sometimes would sleep in um, or she would sit in the bathroom for a while before she would go downstairs to the kitchen. So uh, her mother is calling for her and she's not saying anything. And so she goes upstairs and she walks to her bedroom. She finds the bedroom door open. She remembers distinctly closing the bedroom door the night before. Mm -hmm. Danielle's bed is empty. She's not in it. And she starts calling for her. She starts looking for her. Her husband, Damon, starts looking. They go all around the house. They look outside the house. And no one can locate her. Um, Panic sets in. And Danielle's parents realize then that she's missing. And they have no clue what happened. So where is Danielle Van Dam? Uh, did she run away? Was How she, old was she again? She was seven years old. Um, did she run away? Was she snatched without anyone hearing a sound in the house? Um, and then this is a big part of the, the story. Could her parents' open marriage and swinger lifestyle have brought someone evil into the home who wanted to take Danielle? So there's many questions and no answers, and the police had a tough job I'm trying to figure out what happened to Danielle. Wow. Yeah. They had swinger parties in the house? Um, they said that they didn't, but there are reports that, yes, that they did. Yeah. Yeah. They um, had group sex. And that with the kids? Yeah. Group sex is loud. Yeah. And, like, wet and messy and loud. <laughs> I don't know. I've never had it, but I'm imagining... I think of that too. I can't imagine like. Can you imagine quiet? But I think they're kids because I think the kids are hard sleepers, though because uh-huh. they, you know they yeah. you know because they uh, the night that Daniel goes missing they bring people home, and the kids didn't wake up. So the I night think, that they went missing, the night that she went missing, yes. there was somebody else in the home. Yes. Okay. So that's why, like, this is really like, they passed the fuck out after mm-hmm. some sloppy sex, and the kids <laughs> gone, and so is the person. Mm. Yeah, so it's just, yeah. So um, so we'll go into Danielle, Dan- Danielle Nicole Van Dam. This happened in a suburb of San Diego. So I uh, apologize if I'm not pronouncing it right, but Sabra Springs. Uh, she was seven years old. She was in second grade. She was learning to write narrative stories, which I thought was mm. like, whoa, like they were doing that in second Advanced. grade. Yeah. Yeah. And so the day before in school... So the Friday, so this happened, you know, like uh, Friday to Saturday. So the Friday when she was in school, um, she wrote about a sad experience when her grandmother's house had been broken into. Her teacher recalls that she wanted Danielle to write something happy. And that's what she had told the whole class to write a narrative Uh about a happy story. Uh But Danielle said this is the only thing that she could think of to write about really was, and she wanted to write about that how she felt when her grandmother's house had been broken into and that she felt sad. So the teacher said, Oh my goodness. I know. And the teacher said, well, that's okay. You can write that. But she goes next time, make sure it's a happy story. We want a happy story next time. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. (laughs) I know this is, it's, it's a little bit different. Yeah. They should have, they should hopefully, Oh my God. Okay. I'm, I'm traumatized by that. (laughs) So um, Danielle loved to read, and she was learning to spell. She would often uh, pick up books and then write down words. So she would just, like, have a – just she had a journal that she would write down words. She's in. Matilda. <laughs> and she would ask her parents then, you know, like, what's the meaning of this word and things like that. So wow. it was very – yeah. And she was always reading. And so she loved to read to her five-year-old little brother, Dylan, and actually the night before – she was reading a bedtime story to him before they went to bed. And she was he was at the same age where he was learning to read, so she was trying to help him, you know, which is pretty cool for yeah. a seven-year-old yeah, to be it doing. Is. So Danielle also adored her older brother, Derek, who was 10. And the family was very close and active in the community. They took lots of trips together. Danielle and her siblings had just 
had their passport photos taken. They did this also on that Friday. Wow. I know. They did like a lot of stuff that Friday. Well, the passport photo doesn't mean you get the passport, though. No. Maybe back then. I don't know. I think it still took a okay. no. It still took a while. I remember. I yeah. And that, I was got my passport. And that year, then. I had my passport around then. Okay. So um, no, <laughs> it took a while. And so, um, but they were getting ready for their first trip out of the country because their dad had a work trip uh, to go to Italy, and so the family was going to go with him for two weeks. Um, so. She had that done, and then uh, she also was shopping then with her mom. Uh, she was looking for a dress to wear to a father-daughter dance, which is coming up the next week. She ended up picking up something sparkly, and um, she was super, super excited about that. So she did that all the day before. <laughs> wow. She actually got out of school early. Her mom pulled her out of school early and said that they were going out of town, but she was yeah. there really just doing all that. Yeah. Right. That's suspicious. Yeah. So... And that was Friday, February 1st, and uh, again, that was 2002. So that night, Brenda, her mom, had planned a girls' night out with two of her friends, and her friends came and met her at her house. They pre-gamed in the garage. Which means that you get your Diet Coke, and you drink it halfway (laughs) down, and then you fill it. (laughs) And then you fill it up with, like, rum or something. something. Yeah. And then you, like, drink it with your Coke Zero. (laughs) Coke Zero. (laughs) Okay, that's what Tamara and I do. Well, see, they're in, like, uh, San Diego, so they probably are, like, Coke Zero. Yeah. Like, yeah, we got it. They're pre-gaming. They've got avocados in one hand, (laughs) and they've got their Coke Zero. And then the other. They okay. actually had Domino's pizza this yeah. night, but it was, oh, like, for the whole family. But then they yeah. also had that, too. And um, so they're pre-gaming. They're drinking beer, smoking cigarettes, and also weed. And they're doing this with uh, Damon, her husband. Someone opened the side garage door to air out the smoke. And then after that... And where are the kids? They're in their house. They're just in the house. So they're all Hanging in the, out. the adults are in the garage... And the 10-year-old's watching the little ones. Yeah. And the other ones, the little ones are inside the house. And so then um, after that, Brenda and her two friends, they go to a local bar named Dad's. And I know that's what I was like too. I, I oh, kept man. on. I was like, Dad's? What? What? <laughs> it's kind of like a country western bar. They did line Super. dancing and shit like oh. that there. But yeah. So Damon stayed home with the three children. Uh, he played video games with the two boys while Danielle sat in a chair and read. He put the children to bed at 1030. And he specifically remembers um, giving Danielle like a big hug. They had this game like when uh, she would go to sleep. She would give him like a super, super big hug and um, squeeze, squeeze, squeeze him. And he would act like it squeezed the life out of him. Oh. And he'd pretend like he died. So oh. he would lay down flat and stuff. And yeah. she would laugh and get yeah. all her head That's off. Cute. And so he remembers doing that before he put her to bed. And so Brenda, uh. I know. And Brenda and her friends then drank and danced at the bar. And they met up with two male friends while they were there and... Uh, and after the bar closed around two, they all went back to Brenda's, and they again they drank and they smoked weed. Carried on the party. <laughs> yeah, and so Brenda noticed when she came back that there was a red blinking light um, on her alarm system, so that meant like uh, one of the doors was opened. So she saw that the side garage door open that they had opened earlier to air out the garage. It was still open. Was still open, so she closed it, and she didn't think anything of it. And so then she also closed all the children's doors because of the loud talking, but she didn't look inside the kids' sure. room. Yeah, she you're just, just went, shut it right Yeah, back. she just shut it. And so um, the group drank and smoked, and then everyone left within an hour or so. Brenda and Damon went to bed without checking on their children. And at some point in the middle of the night, uh, Damon woke up, and he saw again, like, uh, the red flashing light of their security system mm-hmm. again. And so then he found that the sliding gla- um, glass patio door was open. And again, he didn't think anything of it. He thought somebody, like, they just left it open. And so he what just went ahead mean? and shut it. 
like um, you think somebody had walked in the first time and then left the second time so like he just thought like when everybody was over earlier mm-hmm. like that the door was just left open yeah i hear you you know and like he just didn't yeah. pay attention like they didn't have their alarm on sure but you can see the lights blinking. but you can see the lights because it's telling you like a door's open i see what you're you saying know? so i can see how that might be missed right and so then um, the Saturday, the morning, so Danielle was not in her bed, and a panicked Brenda, she calls 911 at 9.39 a.m. The police arrive, and approximately 15 minutes later, uh, nothing was found in the home, and it was as if she had vanished without a trace. Um, so the search for Danielle was one of the largest in California history. There was over 3,000 volunteers searching wow. for her. Wow. Yeah. They searched the neighborhood in nearby canyons. The police immediately questioned all 200 neighbors in their area. Only one out of the 200 had been out of town, and that was David Westerfield. And David Westerfield was a 49-year-old self-employed. All but one? Yeah, 200 people during that time. <laughs> But it was just during Friday and Saturday they were checking, you know. They were out of town? To see who, yeah, to see everybody else was in town during that time. Okay. So it was only, he was the only one that was out of town. Oh, he was the only one out of town. Out oh of my town. God. You, no, you were thinking Can you imagine my, my horror when I heard that? The whole town's just gone. <laughs> it's a ghost town. <laughs> hey, I am following. Sure you are. And <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, 40, so David Westerfield, he's a 49-year-old um, um, self-employed successful engineer, and he worked from home. He had two college-aged children, um, a boy and a girl. He was single. He lived two houses down from Danielle. He had left that Saturday morning in his luxury RV for a weekend trip to the desert. Neighbors nicknamed him Desert Dave. Because of the frequent desert trips that mm. he took. He always was, like, going. In the desert. In the desert. What, what are you doing in the desert? I don't know. Dave. I guess, like, when you live out in California, like, especially, like, in San Diego or something like that, you do stuff like, I mean, I've never been you to the desert. You do stuff like that? I got, I I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I lived in L.A. for you know a little bit, but I never desert? did that. You know who goes out to the desert? Who? Um, oh, you know someone who goes to the desert? Um... Um, oh, I'm really falling behind on this one. Breaking Bad. Uh, oh, God. Uh, okay, that's enough there. We already know. People who go and make meth in their in their RVs. Yes. Is that what you're thinking of that when you hear that? That is my favorite show. Oh, I love it. I need to rewatch it. I did rewatch it with Rex. Was it so I good? watched it once. Was it as went, good? It was, I thought it was even better because I picked up on things that I had missed, you know? I can't wait to have time to do that. I, I know. It was okay. so great. We watched it so fast, too. Just like how I did first time, though. I watched right. it really fast. I did, too. Okay. So he's at the desert. Desert Dave is in the desert. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's the only one out of 200. Sorry. I'm taking a swig of my drink. Here, I'm just going to take another swig. Swig, swig. She likes to j- chug it down. I do. <laughs> yeah. By the way, um, I am drinking, and I'm drinking um, a lemon Rita, which tastes like lemonade. I mean, it just tastes like lemonade. Lemonade. It just it's, does. Not even like Mike's Heart li- a liquor. It, it just does ta- taste like lemonade? It tastes like lemonade. I need that. Period. Okay. <laughs> Period. It's so good. Okay. So um, anyway. So yeah, he's Desert Dave. He takes a lot of trips there. So Detective Mo Parga is canvassing the neighborhood. And she notices David's immaculate green lawn with a garden hose thrown across it. So it struck her as odd seeing that, and she didn't think someone who kept up their yard would do that unless they were in a hurry, because she was thinking, okay, you have this beautiful lawn, yeah, right? why would you have like this garden hose just thrown across it? Because you know then that everything that comes up underneath I, it right, is going to be dead, like yellow, whatever. Right. And so that just struck her as funny. And her instincts told her, like, from that moment there, Someone's she was right. like, she was like, this this the guy. Like, right away. She was just like, it's him. Um, she told her colleagues that, and they're like, you're crazy, you know? <laughs> but she was just like, I've done enough investigations. I've seen enough missing kids. I know my instincts. And unfortunately, like, I think this is guy. Like, she was so into this case. 
she wouldn't even look at a picture of Danielle because she didn't want to get attached because oh, she was like, she knew right away. She wasn't going to come she, back. Yeah, she was like, she's she's dead. And I don't want to get too attached to this because she's like, I've done that before. I've cried. I've been upset and everything. I know how these cases go. Right. Yeah. So anyway, so she questions David. Um, at first, he is sweating and it's cold. It's a cold day outside. Okay, so Remember, wait. this is February. She sees him and he's sweating. He's sweating and it's cold outside. Okay. He seems nervous. But Mo is very personable and he ends up warming up to her quickly. Um, Mo Parga says that David was clearly flirting with her. And he asked her out several times. So he's sweating, nervous, and he's trying but, to hit on her. But he calms down because she's she's trying to be his friend. You know, right. she's being She wants you know, to get to know him. Yes. So anyway, so he invites uh, her and another detective, detective inside his home, and he is being very like showy and like, look at my great home, look at all this. Yeah, he's she's she says he's uh, like very narcissistic, right? Um, she could tell he's a super smart guy, and she could tell that he thought like she was dumb and like he's gonna like play pull, her. just yeah. pull one over on yeah. him. Yeah. So they talk, and so she asked him to take a lie detector test. He agrees to take it. He fails it. Um, he says that he didn't know why because he has nothing to do with Danielle missing. And so while searching his house, the detective found a window screen that had a face imprint imprint in it. So she put her face right in it and she could see directly into Danielle's room from that, from his. I see. You know. Um, and then what also comes out later is his ex-wife says that he had binoculars that he would look out the window and she asked him like why are you doing that and he said he was keeping surveillance on the neighborhood Ooh, i know uh-huh and so uh brenda and damon danielle's parents barely knew david westerfield he kept himself uh, a couple days before daniel went missing brenda Danielle and her younger brother went to David's house selling Girl Scout cookies. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. He invited them inside <sighs> while filling out the, the form. form. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. While there, David asked uh, to be set up with one of Brenda's friends. He had seen them a week before at the bar at Dad's. And he gave Brenda two of his business car- cards. Um, he said something uh, to her like, uh, tell her your rich neighborhood is interested. And I put a note and I put gag. <laughs> right. <laughs> gross. And so Brenda told him that they would be at dad's bar that Friday night. Um, she wasn't sure because her husband might be going out of town and might be taking the two boys out of town. She told him all of this. What? Yes. And she said, um, if I can't find a babysitter, I won't go. But if I do find a babysitter, then yes, we'll be out there. Um God. Yeah, so he knows then that David, that Damon's going to be out of town with the two boys. Right, it's the perfect time. Exactly, and then there's just going to be a babysitter there for uh, Danielle. Right, just for Danielle, you know. Mm -hmm. And so um, that Friday, David was out um, at the bar, and he met Brenda's friend. They talked, you know. He left before the bar closed. Brenda and her friends stayed until the bar closed. Are you putting all the clues together now? <laughs> yeah, he yeah. did it. Mm-hmm. Right now, um, everything is circumstantial, and so the police needed evidence to tie Danielle directly to David because everything is just like, we think he's the guy. So they got a warrant, and they were able to get um, a search of his home, car, and RV. Danielle's blood, hair, and also her dog's hair are all found in his oh house. Oh, my God. His Toyota phone forerunner and also his RV is so awful and sad and it's just so scary because you try to protect your kid and then it's just like how can you even prevent this yeah you and then you try to teach your kids to have like um like a thing so you know like stranger danger and well, stuff but, like but you do girl scouts yeah. and you're like you gotta be yeah. a, good, a good girl scout and exactly go, and so you have to go sell your food i did it you girl, know if uh-huh. i'm selling you know if mom has got to make money you got to make money <laughs> right and you know or you whatever <laughs> right you right know. exactly you're like, it's the neighborhood just, nothing goes on the neighborhood it's all the, the neighborhood nice. and i'm going with you i'm going with you i'm, I'm gonna go in there fine. and then some guy but i don't share anything with anybody 
Exactly. She shared a little too much, and you're not even thinking. No, that. you don't. You're thinking I'm going to be a conversational. There's no yeah, reason right. to be not and this conversational. Right, this is just a neighbor, and I'm just saying this just comes out. Sometimes shit just comes you just out, talk. and it's probably something she didn't even think of, you right. know, until later. Um, this coming up. Oh my god, I know. So that obviously ties Danielle to him. Sure. And um, but they still hadn't found her body, you know, at this point. Um, and so. Uh, on February 22nd, 2002, this is three days before David Westerfield turns 50, he is arrested. And during the search of his home, police found over 60,000 pornographic <gasps> images on his computers. That's disgusting. Come on. I know. Can't you just jerk off to the same one? <laughs> they need variety. Oh, my God. Come on. Yeah. And so... <laughs> Uh, this included violent images of um, child porn, including a video of a child being held down by an adult male ugh. and raped by another adult male. Okay, I'm. That's I know. Too I'm much. not getting into too all much. the. I'm Please not going to get into everything like that. That was actually. Just I can't me. get that out of my yeah. head. No, I was just like awful, awful. So David claimed he was collecting images to turn into law enforcement. Oh fuck! I know. Like, you are not. That's like a good me. excuse. Come the fuck on. Like that's am, like not a good excuse. I mean, I mean, uh, it's, it's better when you hear the people that are like, "Oh, I accidentally clicked on it." Then hearing like that, that's a better excuse than that. I'm collecting that and turning it into law enforcement. I have Tourette's of the finger. I uh, yeah, exactly. I accidentally I clicked on keep it. Keep clicking on the it wrong thing. It said it was going to be an adult, and <laughs> it ended up being a kid. It said like, adult looking like a kid. No. <laughs> God. This I mean, is awful. I mean, okay. And we also, do not condone any of no. this. Also, if you saw this guy, I mean, at first you just would think like he's just a normal neighbor. But then once you look at him, he, he looks, looks normal. like. Yeah. But then once you know what he does, he looks like a fucking monster. Well, of course like, he's a monster. He looks like a fucking monster. I like, His I need to like. veil gets unraveled. Pull up a picture I don't you. need to he's see. He's fucking scary looking to me. And I think he, and I think uh, I think about like, this is Danielle. This is the last thing she Stop. Saw. Well, uh, I just think of that. It's so bad. And so later during his trial, he claims that the images were downloaded by his teenage son. Oh, fuck. So his son denied this on this stand. And then I put, what an awesome dad. You know, he like, just keeps just getting gonna. worse. Yeah. So Danielle's body was found on February 27, 2002. And what um, uh, was rumored is, is that David Westerfield was trying to make a plea deal with the prosecution mm-hmm. and was going to like tell them Get where, where the at. body was yep. so that he could have life in prison. Sure. But Day, days before he was about to agree to that, then this volunteer group that was just searching for Danielle's body on their own found her, and they're called Laura Recovery Center. And they found her. She was uh, decomposed. Oh. She was under beneath a tree. Um, her body was so decomposed they couldn't tell her cause of death or anything. <sighs> but and this is, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this because it's just so awful. Okay. And this is the only, and this is the thing that stuck with me. Okay, skip for all it if years. you can't handle it. All right. Well, yeah, you, her teeth were found in her throat. That's fucking awful. It's awful, and that's like what literally has stuck fucking with me. Awful. 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 And then, um, what came out after this case also was David Westerfield's niece said. That when she was seven years old, Ugh. she spent a night with his daughter, mm-hmm. who was the same age, and she woke up in the middle of the night. He was in the bedroom. He was rubbing his finger on her teeth. What? Yeah. And she bit his his finger, and she told her mom. Her mom talked to him, but then this was just, like, forgotten in the family. Like He rubbed happened. his finger on her teeth? Yes. And so I find that really odd because then we find out then that he had dentalphilia. Yeah, there's something the weird, fuck right? Is this? Isn't that weird? Isn't that weird? I was just like, that's so fucking weird. Leave the teeth alone. Alone. So anyway, so the trial began in June 2002, and it lasted two thousand. Two thousand months. It lasted two months. Two thousand months. It lasted two. Th- it's still going on. Um, <laughs> Stop. <laughs> Brenda and Damon's open marriage was put on trial. 
I bet. You and know? I, I judged them, but I don't judge them, but it's right. still... Well, no, no, because you did exactly what I did at first, because at first when I heard it... and turns. And I think and, that's why I was interested in it, because yeah. I... Obviously, because you're like, oh my God, they're into this. And I bet, and you know, like, I bet they did have somebody that came into their home and, you know... I'm did, sorry. But, yeah, no... They were good parents by all accounts. Like, they were good. They just had this side life. This is, you know, something they did on their own. But, like, literally, they had to go through so many questions. I mean, I was reading the transcripts, and I forgot even all the questions that they had to go through on it. I wouldn't know how to even start answering some of this. So many specifics. Like, they were asking them on their friends, like, did did you have sex with – like, having to answer that on the – What is sex Can you imagine doing that on a a trial? Oh, my God. And, you know, you're just like – and also, your private life – Everybody knows about now. And, and they're judging. Um, what they're judging. Totally judging. They said that people stopped talking to them uh, in the neighborhood because they didn't even know how to react because people don't know how to react with death. And, they and then they seriously don't know how to react then with sexual taboos. Right. And so they just were just like kind of like, you know, ostracized. So they had to endure hours of questions by a defense asking in detail about sex. And this is like in quotation, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, literally. Oh, wow. Um, that type of lifestyle. The defense suggested that the Van Damme's unconventional lifestyle could have let a killer into their lives. Daniel's parents testified that they smoked marijuana with friends the night of the abduction and had on previous occasions engaged in group sex with other couples. I honestly don't think that if you're smoking marijuana that you would – somebody would be able to get – I mean, I think you're kind of like hearing chill. things. You're hearing stuff. You're chill. Mm-hmm. Your mind is kind of calm. Yeah. I think you might be able to hear if somebody comes in your home. It's very weird. It's it's odd. And I'll, I'll explain what the prosecution mm-hmm. thinks, how David got into the home yeah. and everything. Um, but it's odd that he was able to get into the home, uh, take Danielle – and they had a dog also, and none of that. Did the dog was go nothing missing? Was, no, 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 nothing. None of that was like there was nothing, you know. And it's so it's so odd. Um, the defense also had a bug defense, so they had insect evidence. Uh, the defense believed was the strongest, and they're hopeful for acquittal. A forensic. Entomologist originally retained by the prosecution concluded that the age of the maggots plucked from Danielle's body, decomposed remains, indicated she was dumped after Westerfield came under close police surveillance. She was alive. So they were doing like bug. No, they were doing bug. Um, uh, like so, they were saying like her body, the. The way the amount of bugs or the kind of bugs. Yeah, it's just like yeah, and it was science and yeah, science, science and all science. that. So with the findings, the findings of that expert and two other entomologists, the defense suggested that someone else killed Danielle. For the final days of the trial, the courtroom became a course in forensic entomology, with the prosecution using its own experts to argue that the field was woefully inexact. During its deliberations, the jury asked to review some of the testimony concerning Daniel's time of death, but also the child pornography evidence taken from Westerfield's home and his audio tape statement to the police. So then the prosecution's theory. So this is what the prosecution thinks what happened. So they think Westerfield had seen Brenda and her female friends in a local bar that previous Friday night. Um, Then by happenstance, she and Danielle went to his house on Wednesday, which is five days later, to sell him Girl Scout cookies. He invited them in and asked her why she hadn't introduced him to her friends at the bar. During the conversation in his home, mm. and he was probably probing, she happened to say she and her friends would probably be at the same bar the coming Friday, February 1st, for a going-away party, provided she could get a babysitter for Danielle because Damon and the boys would be out of town. Um, Consequently, when Westerfield observed Brenda and her friends at the bar on Friday night, he soon left, presumably to prepare Danielle's abduction. We can only guess what would have been the fate of a babysitter had the person been there. Mm. However, Damon and the two boys had canceled their trip and there was no babysitter. 
that Westerfield did not awaken the sleeping three, was able to find the right bedroom, did not alert the dog, and managed to avoid causing an outcry by Danielle as he swept her away is an ugly chain of improbable circumstances. The uh, defense believed that he snuck in through the open garage door, and they think that he hid inside the home like in a closet or something. Oh, it's terrifying. And exactly. So exactly, that he hid inside a home um, until the parents had gone to bed. So after the guest had left everything and the parents had gone to bed, and then they think he went into Daniel's room and somehow was able to get her out. And they don't know, like, you know, like what he did to Stop. get her out without her crying or whatever. What a nightmare. Right. I'm going to illuminate all of my dark spaces. It's just really like, it's just like almost like where I felt like this one was just like, what the fuck could you do? Because how could you prevent this really? Because it was just like, this guy was so dead set on getting this done, you know? It's It's just scary. And so. Tell me he's dead. He's still alive. So not realizing Damon and the boys were all at home, Westerfield crept through an open side yard door through an unlocked garage door and up the stairs to Danielle's room with cat, bur- cat burglar stealth. He then carried her small sleeping or muffled body back to his home. Hours later, he put her in the cargo area of his Toyota and drove to his motor home where he transferred Danielle, living or dead. He then returned to his house where he hastily filled the vehicle's water reservoir. Remember the hose in the yard? And then drove away. Mm-hmm. Danielle was not discovered missing until around 9 on Saturday morning. On August 21st, 2002, David Westerville was convicted. He was sentenced to death. He is currently at San Quentin Prison, still on death row. And he was also convicted on the child porn charges. And so Danielle's parents... Oh, I also want to say another thing because remember how I said he had the binoculars and he was looking out and mm-hmm. everything on everyone. He um, also there is a neighbor who said that she saw him looking into her window before. Into the little girl's window? No, saw her like an adult. She's an adult like Fuck. looking into her window. And then they also found video of um, him um, that he had filmed of a neighbor drying herself off after she took a shower. Um. Keep your windows closed, people. As I have the studio windows. As I windows. keep mine open. I My keep mine open. My studio windows are open as Like, I, like, walk around naked and everything. Gosh. Okay. So, <laughs> so stupid. It is. It's like, why? It's why? like, close your windows, but mine will be open. But mine will be open. And so, anyway. So, Daniel's parents. So, this is, like, what they said. So, uh, her mother, Brenda Van Dam, directed most of her tearful statement to the stone-faced defendant, David Westerfield. She said, it disgusts me that your sick fantasies and pitiful needs made you think that you needed Danielle more than her family. Damn it. You do not deserve any leniency, any mercy, because you refuse to give that to Danielle. And so her father, Damon Van Dam, told the judge he would never get to see his daughter grow up be a sister to her two brothers, get married, and have her own children. He said, as the years pass and these things don't happen, all I'll have are the memories of her and having to know how brutal her last hours were. I can't even. I know. And so that is uh, the saddest story I've ever heard in my life. Daniel Nicole Van Dam. Yeah. It's, It's very... I hate David Westerfeld. He's such a fucking asshole. You're a real fucking ass. Yeah, he's a piece of shit. Like, I mean, it's just like, what the fuck? I'm just like, I just can't, can't. My story mm-hmm. is my mother gave me my story. Your actually, mother. Um, she was telling me about a time that my my grandmother, how did- my how she how my grandmother um was did in home nursing. Okay. Um, back in the day for. Two people in this story. Oh, really? In the story? Oh, mm-hmm. okay. So the mother and father of the little boy that oh. we're going to talk about. Okay. Another child story. Yes. This is like the child episode. Mm, we're sorry, people, if you guys are like... Boo. Yeah, sorry. Okay. So at approximately 10.55 a.m. on September 28, 1953, um, Bobby Greenlease 
It was six years old, and he was in his Catholic school and going to school. Mm-hmm. And when somebody knocked on the, because this is like back in 1953, they knocked on the door. <laughs> I can't even imagine. They knocked on the door, and at the Catholic school, the, the sister answered the door, and they asked for Bobby Greenlees, and they mm-hmm. said, I'm the aunt of Bobby Greenlees. His mother just suffered a heart attack, um, and so I need to take him home. Okay. And so she's like, okay, she goes. And of course, and, there's no verification at that time, no. or anything like that. They're not on a list Mm-mm. of approved people, right? That was know? before that. <laughs> so somebody, another, I'm sure she goes running to go get Bobby, and he comes back, and he just goes with her. There was no uh, indication no. of anything wrong. Mm-hmm. So um, later, that same sister calls the family and just to check on the mom. She had had a heart attack. She was concerned. She wanted to make sure she was okay. When she called the sister, the sister at the Catholic school. Yes. Okay. Yes. I, I don't know. Um, but yes, she calls and the mother's like, I'm fine. Um, yeah. So this story takes place in Kansas City, Missouri, actually, mm-hmm. too. And our hometown. Our hometown. Mm-hmm. And um, what makes it so notable is mm-hmm. his father is um, Robert Greenlees, and he was a millionaire. Okay. Um, who was well known and okay. very philanthropic. Should I know this last name? Is this like a big last name still? Okay. No, he had a cat. He was a, he had a Cadillac. Um, I thought you were about to say he had a cat. No, he had a cat <laughs> name. No, he had a Cadillac dealership. Oh, okay. It was the first one in Kansas City. Okay. And he was just very well known, and so, um, which made him a target. Okay, gotcha. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. millionaire yeah. has a kid. Right. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway. So, anyway, the sister recalls that Bobby directly went with the woman. There was no indication of anything wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, the, the lady, had her arm around his shoulders, and they were, um, they were. He was holding. It just seemed fine. Yeah, just fine. Okay. Right. So anyway, um, she calls the house, and they realize that something is really wrong. Right. And they call the police, and the police call the FBI. Okay, so, so had he not come home from school? No, or? she called a she short called while later. Okay. Yeah, before school was over. Okay. To check on how mom was okay, doing. Okay, okay. Yep. So just a little bit later, school's not out yet. Okay. She's like, some, you know, okay. how, how are you doing? Oh, I don't, I've never had a heart attack. I'm fine. Okay, okay. Wait, I was just something wondering is really if, he had wrong. Been ho- if it, he should have been home from school and they no. were just like, oh, I, no. okay. So they call the FBI. Anyway, shortly after um, they called the police. Mm-hmm. A ransom letter came, mm. and the ransom letter demanded six hundred thousand dollars. Wow! And which is like a ton of money back then. I mean, it's a ton of money now, and <laughs> it was like I can't imagine how much it was back then. Bazillions, you of know, dollars. right? Probably like a close to a billion or something, right? Mm-hmm. So this came in at about six o'clock, and they get this letter, and it demanded the six hundred thousand dollars, and it's, they wanted it in tens and twenties, and they wanted it placed in a duffel bag. Okay. Um, and they promised Bobby's safe return 24 hours later. Um, he was like, as long as there's no tricks in the delivery and there's nothing, no funny business, we'll give your son back. Oh, gosh. Um, then 9.30, there's mm-hmm. another um, letter. Nope. Another okay, where letter. Are they leave- they're- I'm like, where are they leaving these? I At the house? Know. or oh, okay. I have no idea. Okay. But it again demands... The six hundred thousand dollars. I'm like, does the mailman okay. just? Oh shit! There's another letter for the. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm like. I'm like, like, where is it being delivered? <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, so a half a dozen ransom notes come through. Okay. Asking for the money, and okay. fifteen telephone calls come in. Gosh. And yeah. They are like, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. We need this. We want the six hundred thousand dollars, and I promise you, son. Not the your best son, way to do it, probably. Come you on know. Come but on. they don't have tracking. Can you imagine how that would? Yeah, be? Yeah, they don't have that. Then. Right. So yeah. they can't. I mean, they're having a hard time keeping up. Right. And so anyway, uh, they collected the money. They gave the money. They got that much. Yeah, they collected the money, and um, they did. They followed through. They delivered wow. it where they said they were going to. Mm-hmm. And the money was picked up. Okay. Well, then then they couldn't figure out that and that was it. Bobby was never found or Bobby was never He returned, was never returned. Never after returned. That. And they didn't know what had happened. And so they were really upset about oh, it. Oh gosh. So then um the police get a phone call, a uh-huh. random phone call, and they were just really concerned and it was a um taxi cab driver. 
Okay. And he had had a guy by the name of um, Carl Hall in his um, taxi cab. Mm-hmm. And Carl had a lot of money. And he was just rambling about having all this money and kind of speculate, you know, gave some sketchy stories about some things that made this um, taxi cab driver go, well, something's not right. Yeah. (laughs) We need to look into it. And at this time, the story about the kidnapping was huge. I'm sure it was. Yeah. So this was in, I think, St. Louis. This was the taxi cab. So Kansas City, St. Louis, it's a four hour drive. Yeah. And so, um, but still, news news is going around. I'm sure. Well, I'm sure back it's then, the especially then, like a kid missing, ransom, mm-hmm. all this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. So they reported it, and they ended up catching him. Okay. Um, and he he was a newly married man. Okay. Um, he was once wealthy. Um, he had been accustomed to living a lavish lifestyle. Oh. Um, before he squandered away his inheritance. Um, he was arrested a year prior or two years prior for robbing a taxi cab driver for $33. I wow. mean, this guy. Okay. Um, well, he didn't know how much he was going to get, I guess. Right. But, okay. he, he sentenced, he was sent, he was sir, or sentenced for five years, but only served two. So he had recently got out of wow. jail at this okay. time. And he was immediately ready to, ready to, Just- yeah. Get rich again. Right. He was ready. He's like plotting. Well, right. How am I going to do this? Uh, yeah. I'm used to this lifestyle. I mm-hmm. need it. And I don't want to work for it. I just want to get it. Right. Yeah. I want the money right now. Right. I need to have all the, the hats I can get. Right. Um, and so he meets Bonnie Hetty. Um, oh, and Bonnie Mar- is such a name for the 50s. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bonnie, Bonnie, Bonnie. Oh, Bonnie. <laughs> um, and so she they met, at, they met at a bar. Mm-hmm. Uh, May fifth, May nineteen fifty three. So just so Bobby goes missing in September. They had just met just a few months prior. Okay. Okay. So they had just met and they were living together. Okay. And Bonnie had was a prostitute mm-hmm. and sex worker. I'm sorry, but yes, she was a sex worker, and um, he let her in on the plan. Mm-hmm. This is what we're gonna do. We're gonna we are going to kidnap this kid. And get ransom. Mm-hmm. And she was, okay, let's do it. Right. So um, they can, she goes in mm-hmm. as oh, the aunt. Okay, she's the aunt. She goes in as okay. the aunt. Uh, the little boy does not act weird. And Which sometimes you don't know all your family members. Right. You know, right. especially as a kid, you're like, okay. Yeah, whatever you say, Aunt okay. Bonnie. Yeah. And then, you know, you're just more worried like, probably about strange. his mom, about yes. like what's going on with her. Yes. So, okay, you're my aunt. Okay. Strange. Right. And anyway, so he goes off. And so they took him from Kansas City, mm-hmm. which is downtown Kansas City, mm-hmm. and to Overland Park or Olathe area, okay. which is Kansas. So maybe Kansas, 15, 20 minutes. Where I live. And they, <laughs> they killed him. Oh, my god! And then they drove 45 minutes to St. Joe, Missouri. Why did they kill him? Because they, they just they wanted just, the money. Yeah. They just wanted the you money. You could still just have got the money and gave back the kid. No. I hate that shit. I hate that shit. Savannah Smiles here. This is. <laughs> I love Savannah Smiles. It was a traumatic show. Anyway. Oh, that was like my favorite movie. Mine too. Oh, was it? Okay. Fuck that movie. It wasn't it. That was like my favorite. I like loved it. <laughs> Look it up, guys. Do you know Savannah Smiles. That- the actress, she committed suicide? Stop. We will talk okay. about this after yes. the show. Okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> so they drove 45 minutes to St. Joe mm-hmm. and they, with his dead body, and they buried him on her property. I mean, she hasn't even, they, Bonnie hasn't even known Carl for a year. She's in love. It's a few months. Oh, you want to She's kill somebody? Like, it's a one of those boy? Fa- the fast things, get rich quick things. Okay, no. 600000 We're going to be like billionaires. She's like, it's better than having sex. Um, Yeah, better than laying on, on my back. Oh, These my goodness. Nasty ass, crusty, she been on stinky her knees. people. Come on now. Don't She's limit. in all, all positions. She's in all She's positions. On, all, on all fours. Stop. Okay, so <laughs> they kill him. They're, now his dead body is buried on her property in a shallow grave. And they go to St. Louis. So, again, four hours okay. away, something right. like that. And he gets in the cab. Or they, they, go, to, they, go, to a, they go to a hotel. Uh-huh. She passes out. 
they're drunk. Well, they'll say, are they on drugs and She's stuff? passing out, I bet man. they had to been on drugs and well, shit. Well, I would be. And <laughs> so they pass out. She passes out and he leaves. He t- has, he has a $600,000 in his hand and leaves her with 2000 Oh, okay. In That's her pocket. Nice. And, just, yeah. and he leaves. Yeah. And then. And she's the one who did the main part of it. Of course. Sure. Okay. She, always. The ladies always, always do the main source of always. earning money. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, he yes. So then he gets a tip off that, or he tips off this cabbie that he's the guy that. Like, why? Does it. Like, they, why? Because he he's wanted drunk the money. and high and stuff. Because it was the best crime, you know. Well, right no, but why is he bra- he's like bragging. Why does he have to brag about it? Because yeah. he's he's high. He's high. He's high as shit. Yeah. So they hone in on it, and um, all because it was all because he was not following suit with what he needed to do, mm-hmm. like to cover up his tracks and right. to shut his fucking mouth. Oh, right. Yeah. He's just wheeling around. He gave the, yeah, t- he just, gave an extra just, tip to yeah, the cab just, driver. Right. It's like showboat. Yeah, here. Right. Exactly. It's stupid. Just, people don't have money like that. No, stupid. Knock it off. Yeah. So anyway, he gets caught. He leads him to the body, the buried body. Um, and then they go and get executed what? They get executed. Okay, okay. They're convicted. They're convicted. They go through trial. They get convicted. <laughs> Tamara's a storyteller. Yes. I know I am. They go like, through trial. all of a sudden they're executed. Sudden you they're can't dead. just jump to that. <laughs> and they're dead. And they all just died. Anyway, so no. They go and they go to trial and they get convicted <laughs> together and then they die together in How the gas they, chamber. Do, do, oh, okay. Gas chamber. Wow. Yeah. Well, I, wow. In a Missouri's gas chamber. Wow. Three months after the kidnapping, they didn't even get to live, love, no. and, li- and laugh with that money. Good. Good. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, the dad wow. dad was a, is still, you know, had the Cadillac mm-hmm. dealership. dealership. Uh-huh. He's mm-hmm. lost his child. He was mm-hmm. devastated. There's a whole, like, page dedicated to their family on um, mm-hmm. online, and it talks about, like, we know our family is associated with this mm-hmm. traumatic story mm-hmm. and it's like, we oh, right. you know, it's yeah. just awful. Awful. And, um, my, my, are yeah, they still here in town? They died. They're dead. But like the family? Like, I would assume so. Okay. The dealership is no longer the dealership. Although the building is still a car, a Cadillac dealership. Oh, it is? It's just not theirs. They sold it. Okay. And, um, so my, yeah, my grandmother like did their in-home care as they oh, were dying. Really? Yeah. Oh, as they were, as really? As the parents were dying. Yeah. Did they so have other was, kids? No. No, really? Not oh. that I could see. Oh, that's sad. Yeah. So short. It was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. We had to end it on a better note than the most recent traumatic story. It's awful. I don't know. It's all traumatic. It is not better. <laughs> it's I'm not sorry. better. It's not better. Poor Bobby. <laughs> Poor kid. All for $600,000. That they didn't even enjoy. They didn't have it very long, you know? So, and they killed him. They just didn't even have to do that. They They could have given him him back. Exactly. It's just stupid. They paid. They weren't, they could have gotten away. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, they got their money. They could have left him somewhere. They didn't even try. They could have just left him anywhere. They didn't even try. And then, you know, just gone. And they gathered all that money. Yeah. So it's just, it's just senseless, really. It's just stupid. All this is senseless. It's stupid. Don't you know. kill kids. Just knock well, it no, off. I'm sorry this is like a kid episode. We didn't know that. Like, because, you don't know, talk. we didn't talk about our <laughs> stories. I, I thought about asking, but then I was like, she's not going to do a kid story. You know, but. Right. And we did. We did. It we happened. It happened. So, anyway. Hopefully you're not tra- traumatized like we are. I know. But, you know, you guys are used to true crime, so. Right. Yeah. So, thank you for listening to this. Yeah, thank you so much. Devastating stories. The devastating stories and all. Let us know what you think. Yep, rate you us. Know? Email us, you know, at uh, what the F podcast at gmail.com. Official what the F. Oh, yes, yeah, sorry. Official, Official what the F podcast God, at gmail.com. Official what the F podcast at gmail.com. You got it. We've said it 15 times. Now we've said it. Now it's in your head. Now you have to. You have to do it. Yeah. So tell us what you think. Email us any questions and stuff. You know, we love that. And and have a great week. Have a great week. And we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.